river kingdoms, a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevois sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevois seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone. To let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 55. Voice of the editor here. At this point, we're transitioning between book 3 and book 4. And the last time we transitioned between books 2 and 3, we had a year of downtime of kingdom turns to help the kingdom grow and expand to around the level the adventure path expects it to be. Last time we had to play this out over a a lot of sessions that we clipped together and recorded as episode 27 of our podcast. However, that took us a long time, just because we had to switch our brains between kingdom math to role-playing events to kingdom math to role-playing events to kingdom math to role-playing events. So this time around between books we did something a little different. I, as the GM, told our player Helen that we wouldn't be having any randomised kingdom events at all. The only things would be plot-based kingdom events. And that what she could do was sit down and just do an entire year's worth of math in one stretch from start to finish. And so that's what happened. So what we're doing now, for the benefit of our listening audience, is we're going back through and Helen will be reading out what decisions she made for the kingdom and what was built, what points were gained, etc, etc. And then I'll be presenting her with the kingdom events that occurred and we'll be role-playing through them from there. We found this a great deal easier to play through than doing it the other way around. If you have thoughts or opinions, let us know what you think and we may do it differently again between books four and five. Now on with the show again. Okay. So when last we left you, you had finished the Vanhold Vanishing. Yes. And gained new allies into your kingdom with the centaurs and uh, vampires. Yes. And then we have had a lengthy period of downtime. Yes. Okay. So... Shall we look at each month in turn? Yep. So I make the last thing we did properly was La Machan. Yes. 47.18. Yes. So, um... Going back in time, there's Lamashan 4780. Uh, in which um, Horatio, I have on my notes, Horatio Satova had been killed by Elder Storm, Mordecai had been slain. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have the full list of you. I've got um, I've got a number of things that happened that month, if you yeah, want no, to. No, I, I only have very short forms on my details. Yeah. Okay, so then moving into Neth, 4718? Yes. Okay, so um, I 
made my stability check and got my unrest down to two. Um, acquired a um, plus two rapier in my item slot, which I then immediately cleared because I didn't want one. Um, and then rearranged kingdom leadership. So um, John steps down as high priest because mm-hmm. um, he was tragically blind. Yep. Um, Van becomes viceroy and um, a Cora Silverfire becomes high priest. Mm-hmm. And um, I claimed Varnhold. Yep. So that's, um, I claimed um, C4 through C6, D4 through D6, E5, A5, and B5. And um, picked up two new, ar- picked up a new army in the, um, Picked up two new armies from Varnhold and from the Centaurs, mm-hmm. disbanded the um, Kobold army, and then um, and my unrest went back up to three. And then I built a farm, uh, rather a hunting preserve in A5 and B5 to um, fill out more of the central land with my new hunting preserves. Mm-hmm. Built a house in a Thorn Watch, dropping my unrest down to two, and put a I put. 400 GP of my own money into the treasury because the treasury was worryingly low. Failed my economy check. 4,000 GP? 4,000 GP, yes. Um, and spent a hero point to re-roll the, the treasury, the, the economy because I failed my initial check and it was freaking me out. And that, that was net. Yes, gaining Varnhold gave me, um, plus 10 to my control DCs to 72 and with the armies took my consumption from 8 to 7 from 9 to 17 and um, took the kingdom size up to 46. So it was a pretty dramatic transition. Okay. And then uh, your events for Neff? Yes. Um, obviously you annexed Varnhold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which has consisted of a good deal of basic stuff and then Kaelin doing just days of paperwork where you've got to re-employ all these people and all this sort of thing yeah. to confirm that yes you know you're going to keep this going and this going and you know honour this supply contract for horseshoes and all this kind of thing Yeah. so you're a prisoner of paperwork for a few days this month uh, in the background Eldest Thorn moves out of um, Stagthorn entirely uh, sorry out of um Brivoy entirely, formally. Okay, so he d- the, he moves down. He this is month? now living in Stagthorn as of Neth. Uh, okay, is that sort of does that become widely known in in the kingdom, or is it all sort of handled very quietly? Uh, no, no, it's definitely widely known in the, in the kingdom. As yep. soon as um, basically he endeavours to do it, he endeavours to do his exiting from Brivoy very quietly, and spends basically the month slowly pulling back his power base and moving his people down slowly in small pieces. And then when he arrives, he just more or less literally packs at the last of his house, rolls out down here and says, hey, I'm living here now. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's not like, um, you know, legally speaking, Brevoy has no hold on him, you know, unless you strongly object to his presence in your kingdom, which you yeah. obviously don't. There's nothing preventing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that occurs. Uh, Pytax and Grolton cease being at war. That was fast. Yeah, it's been like, uh, I didn't list when they started, I don't know if you did, but I think it's been about two months. Um, it's been, yes, it's it's been exactly two months. Yep. So, did Grolton surrender, or what? Uh, that you would need to actually, um, 
you know, formally all you get is basically a, a diplomatic um, on where tell you the two kingdoms have reached an agreement and blah blah blah. Certainly neither of them have burned the other one to the ground. You know, yeah. notice that. Uh, absent of that, you can have um, Michaela's gather information, which is oof, now at 15. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, seven, so... 22? 22. Okay, so... Uh, Grolton were definitely the guys who surrendered there. Yeah. Um, they they pushed for the... They, they started the war. Yes, And yes. then pushed for peace, which is not um, entirely uncommon against... Um, in Grolton's wars, they yeah. overextended themselves again. Yeah. Um, Pythax pushed them for basically no terms whatsoever, however... They you know, just, the, the surrender was pretty much, okay, stop attacking us, we're no longer at war. Wow, so they didn't ask for reparations or anything? Nope. Ah. Okay. So, um... Like, they got back, you know, some of the vague chunks of farms and lands yeah. that Grolton had seized, but Grolton net lost nothing from it, other yeah. than the people that died in the battles, presumably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Drelev and Pytax are still at war, because yeah. if you'll recall, Drelev joined in on Grothen's side. Yes, yes. The, um... And then Grothen fucked him over by surrendering. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so what was a nice two-on-one fight has now become a one-on-one fight. It's exactly like when the um, you're playing Civilization and the NPC Civilization believes you make, make war with it, you know, your common enemy, those guys, and then you do, and then two turns later they make yeah. peace with them. As, as, yes, it's exactly like that. <laughs> as, as we've agreed, you're not going to get randomly generated events, it's just going to be plot ones. Yeah, yeah. So that is all of Neth from my point of view. Okay, um, what about exploration? Yep, if you wish to do explorings, you can. Yes. So how do you want, do you want me to pick a person and where we go, or do you want to just tell me what, uh, g- give me three hexes at random? For starters, I will get the book. Yeah, that'd be helpful. So that I can actually tell you what's in the hexes beyond um, the grass, I think. And I'll get a map. I know you think I'm tremendously clever. I do think you're tremendously clever. But I don't actually expect you have all the maps encyclopedically in your head. You know, buy a map for can thought about that one. Ah, just working out what we're doing with the cards and the Crimson Throne isn't going to work because we're also using the hero points in this game. Ah, uh, yes. That's all right. We'll sort something out. Yeah, yeah. Later. The, okay. um, we can redraw them at the end of the... Um, at the we can yep. reshuffle them and then redraw so, them as long as we note down what we had. So, yes, pick a person and um, I will tell you... Okay, I think um, I will pick, take... Pick a person and go somewhere, sorry, and I'll tell you what's in it. Yep. Um, I think I will take Tristram out. Yep. And we will um, go out um, beyond um, up, up north, beyond the central territories, and have a poke around in what's in those hexes up there. Mm-hmm. So um, that's looking at um, E four, E three, and F three. E four, yeah. E4, F4, and F3, is that correct? Uh, E4, E3, and F3. So E3 is grassland? Yep. Uh, F3 is grassland? Wait just a second. Yep. F3 is grassland, E3 is grassland, yep. And 
don't know if you um, desperately want to play out some of the craft encounters that are in here. Um, it's it depends on if you think they'll be fun or if you think it's not really worth it at this stage. I, I have a CR two encounter here to challenge your tenth level piece. No, no, I I don't. I think we can accept that Tristram and I take that. Okay, you find an area that looks vaguely familiar to you, in which there appear to be the grass looks slightly disturbed. Um, you remember way back when one of the first things you found in the green belt was a giant trapdoor spider? Ah, uh, yes. That bolted out, attacked you. With, with Tristram, no yeah. less. Here there are substantively more of them, six of them. However, you have gained nine levels in the intervening time. We take the spiders. You murder the bejesus out of them. Yep. Um, among other things, um, you find that they have large amounts of spider silk, which you are looking for for one of your centaur side quests. Ah, uh, yes, I am too. Um, which you can merrily harvest. Sweet. Will do. Okay, so where are the... So that's in... Um... That's it. Uh, EU4. Okay, where are the spiders? Dead center. Cool. Spiders. Okay. So, okay. Given that um, we have found that and that the Gnome and Centaurs are right next door, we will return... Attain that silk and return it. Mm-hmm. Tristan also trivially searches through the spider's cabins. Yep. um, And finds a few partially eaten guys with a scattering of bits and pieces there. Uh, If you want your treasure. Yes, please. Um, Pause briefly until you get a treasure list out. That would be helpful. This is my side quest cheat, so that'll be handy. Did we um, announce the leveling up for the various NPCs and you and that sort of thing? Um, yes. Right. Good. I'm pretty sure it was on the record, but we, you certainly told me what they all had. Yep, and this is a empty treasure. This is a treasure sheet which has spare paper. Okay. Uh, so you find two hundred gold worth of miscellaneous gold gems, bit of jewellery, that sort of thing. Cool. Uh, and you find a partially digested elf wearing his magic elfy cloak and his magic elfy boots. Okay. Which are exactly what you would think they are. Yeah. Well, I am, you know, wearing <laughs> some of the stuff, so. Boots of elven kind, cloak of elven kind. Made of genuine elf. I'm giving you that look. <laughs> I see that look, but I choose to ignore it. Okay, and then um, I return um to Amarhe, it's fifty yards of spider skilk, and get a cloak of resistance plus two. You do get a cloak of resistance plus two. Shiny. Made of spider silk. Awesome. Marky, I believe. It was the little cook. Oh, the, the cute little one. Yes. Oh, I can I can sew these together. I can make something awesome out of this. Very nice. Okay. And that is Ness. Cool. Okay. Kisona. Yes. So, in Kithona, 
make my stability check, drop my unrest to one, pick up a wand of bull strength, um, and immediately get rid of it. <laughs> and then I claim the centaur lands. So that is F4 through F7 and G3 through G7. The two farms I said last turn were hunting preserves are actual farms of Vanla Hold. Yep. Um, I just got that confused. Um, I then, having picked up more, even more, um, even more consumption, even higher control DCs, I frantically build some hunting preserves in G4, G6, and F6. Yeah. Um, I build a smith, smith in Merkvale, Merc by first building in the Lizardfolk lands, in the Lizardfolk town, and a shop in Varnhold, taking advantage of their fine quality decision to build a ton of houses that don't have adjoining shops and things. I um, failed my economy check and started to panic, and then you pointed out I also had the advantage of the Varnhold and Sejur central treasuries and I picked up an extra 35 bill points so mm-hmm. right was when the kingdom economy was about to crash it didn't and that was Cthona yeah uh, events for that month yes uh, obviously you annexed the central lands yes um, over in Fort Greylev yep um, you will actually hear about this because you will find that through Varnhold you now have um, loose trade deals with um Brevoy, which you already have, but you have separately through Vanhold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Drelev was also trading with Vanhold. Right, yeah. Um, that, of course, hasn't been happening because Vanhold has been off the map. Yeah. Um, however, you'll receive notice that um, at this time your trade deal is formally suspended because Drelev has declared martial law in his city. Right. Um, in the present state of emergency with the Pytaxian aggressors bearing down on them, you know, their unprovoked attacks cannot be tolerated, and so temporarily for the safety and security of the citizens, it is necessary that more troops be deployed inside of Fort Drelev. Thanks. So he doesn't, by all means, by any stretch of imagination, close the gates, bolt them, and yeah. bar all outside contact, but he goes into martial law. Yeah. Well, Pytaxian aggressors, like he didn't start the war. That's not what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in Cthona. Okay. Um, so... And you you receive, by a list of notes, that any merchants you have going to Fort Drelev now need to comply with standards X, Y, and Z, which appear to be basically taxes have gone up a bit to pay for all this, you know, new new armies and martial law and things. Yeah. None of it's particularly, you know, we're going to murder your citizens in the street for coming here or anything, so you're not overly worried. Yeah, on the other hand... Um... You know, I can't say that um, it's um, something I'm, you know, like, Kaelin doesn't actively stop people with trading with Drelib, but his lack of enthusiasm for it is um, kind of notable. His, um, he he shows no inclination to encourage the resumption of the the, um, trade deal with Drelib just because, you know, Van Holt now exists again. Mm Mm-hmm. The, uh, you get another gather information check on what's happening in that situation. Uh, Fifteen yep. again. Uh, this time the hill rolls well, so that's um, thirty-three. Okay, so Draylev's royal enforcer, uh, his marshal, and his warden—all of whom are people that you've never heard of before. Yeah, mm-hmm. have never encountered. So I'm not going to bother introducing them at this point. Yeah, um, are all dead. Um, 
Yikes! But not as general. Like not as general. Good. Hmm? His his marshal and his warden have both been killed by um, in in fighting with Pytax. They were leading armies at the time. Yeah. Um, and his royal enforcer um, has apparently died as a result of Pytaxian assassination, which you know justifying these new emergency measures, etc., etc., etc. The word that you get through your various spies is Draylev whacked him. Yeah. Um, and Drelev is now assuming all three of those positions himself, effectively. Right, yeah. He won't necessarily... It's not great for his kingdom. He won't necessarily be able to do them all effectively. But um, it gives him more power within yeah. his own seat. Uh, it also means that Michaela will not fail to notice that the royal enforcer is one of the people that could theoretically um, assassinate the king. Yeah. Having the skill set for it. He's um he doesn't want swords at his back. He doesn't no. want people around him. He doesn't seem to trust his own people all yeah. that well. Well, I am comforted by the reflection that Kundal being a werewolf is extremely difficult to kill, so and hopefully has the sense not to start any trouble given that he's a pretty placid and reliable sort of guy, but sounds like a bit of a snake pit over there. Mm-hmm. And that is all of um Cathar, I'll right? note that, that down as well. So did he kill all three of them, or just the royal, or just the royal enforcer? Uh, the other two apparently got killed in conflicts with Pytax, based right. on what you what you can discover. Yeah. Um, the um, the marshal got captured and never got ransom back, and Pytax just executed him. Yeah. Hmm? Um, you know, in amongst the other dozens of soldiers they killed in the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the warden was just out now killed in the fighting. Yeah. Hmm? Which does happen. Yeah, but still. Okay. Uh, and part of this is, you know, what Drelev has used to justify his new emergency measures, which, because he's whacked his own royal enforcer, he's creating his own emergency situation and then assigning himself <laughs> emergency powers to sort it out. Yeah. Uh, M- we Michaela, all know where this is going, Yeah, Michaela right? doesn't see the state of emergency in Fort Drelev vanishing anytime soon, almost yeah. regardless of what Pytax do. Yeah. And one presumes Pytax is going to refrain from surrendering, at which point the war can pretty much um, drag on as long as Drelith can afford to prosecute it, because, um, you know, Pytax aren't going to end it except by, you know, causing Drelith to surrender or surrendering, and they ain't going to surrender. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I will take Horn and his boat out and um, explore... um, Explore what's the lake, the Silver Step Lake? Lake Silver Step. Lake yes, Silver Step. Yeah, because um, the thing was last time, Corin and I took the boat down there and found the treasure item in the first ten minutes yes, of exploring yes, the did. lake. So um, we never actually got round to exploring the lake because then we went off to fight. Um, so you're going to do like those four hexes of lake in there? Uh, I've got three hexes of lake. One of them was so small we already explored it because it was just mountains with a tiny corner of lake. Yep. But yeah, I'm doing C seven. B8 and C8. Yep, B7 sort of the little corner. That's where the um, Watcher's Stone actually was. Oh, sorry. C7, C8, C7, B8, and C8. Yes, C8. Yes, that matches what I've got. Um, Okay, so two of you go out hunting in your boat to see what, whether what you see. Uh, You can both give me search checks. Oh, Lord. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, Tristram doesn't have a boat. Uh, 
That would be a four. Okay. So, the last time you were out in um, C8, if you recall, yep. um, which you probably don't, um, the, you saw from the mountain some sort of shape beneath the water, yep. some shadow down there, and never got a better look at what it was. Yeah. Um, when you explore it again this time, um, it's possible the light is different and you can't see it anymore, but it's also possible it's no longer there. You can't confirm this one or the other. Because, of course, it could have been the Elasmosaurus. Yes. Uh, you, so you take your boat, you know, you do the odd bit of diving periodically, you, you find nothing of any compelling interest there. Yep. It is water, 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 obviously. Okay. Yeah, the, the event of interest is the mud flats that have all the mud men living in them, which yep. we've already done. Yeah, because we, we fought the mud, we fought the mud men. Yep. Yep, so B7. A C, uh, C7? Yep. Explore? Yep, all three of them. Ah, right, yep, okay. Explore, explore, explore? Yep, like, like, like. Yep. Okay, and that is Neff. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, that is Cathora. At which point it is Abadias. Okay, what are you um, uttering about? Cicadas. Ah, right. I hate the noises. Okay. Okay. Oh, you re- you want to edit out the cicadas on the recording? Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes, understood. Uh, Yes, okay, so, um... The, um... Making the stability check, getting rid of the point of unrest. Uh, finally back down to no unrest. Um, I get generate and sell a plus three greater... Generate and get rid of a plus three great axe. Um... So I build, um, some more hunting preserves in, um, the central lands. Continuing to drop the consumption, which is now getting back down to a more reasonable lake style number. I built a um, library in Lakeview and a monument in a library in Varnhold. Mm-hmm. So the um, monument, um, the first two statues in the monument are standing, one big plinth standing next to each other is um, Ma- Magister Pedrod and Queen Jamang de Rao. Nice. And um, Kaelin, um you know, other people can add things, but um, what Caelan wants on the plinth is um, alone they fought for their people and alone they fell. Gods grant them peace. Nice. Yep. Yep, what is cheered by this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Loyalty, I believe, goes up. Yeah, by three points, yeah. It's yep. um, pretty dramatic. <laughs> Which was... Part of the reason, but it wasn't actually my priority. That yeah. wasn't actually my priority. My priority was that I wanted to do that. Okay, and yeah, and and I make my economy check. That's the uh, that's Abadias. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens there? Events of Abadias. Yes. Uh, Pytax and Draylev reach a peace agreement. Right. Kind of just a huge waste of recent time in lives, then. <laughs> uh, if you can give me another... Um, get information Get check. information check to find out the 
background details. Uh, yep, so that's another um, poor roll, so that's a 22. Okay, so uh, again, just as with Grolton, Drylev sued for peace rather than Pytax. Yeah. Um, you haven't really been a, because you don't have spies in the field per se, you haven't really been able to get a good picture of who's winning the war and how. Yeah. Presumably if Drelev is suing for peace, then he's, then Pytax is winning, but you don't really get an impression of whether they're just absolutely whomping them. Yeah. Or, you know, going 60-40 or whatever. Yeah. Um, Michaela will find it interesting that after Drelev has had his war and his emergency justifications, he then immediately goes for peace. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't undeclare martial law, of course. Yeah. Um, because it is considered to be a time of increased hostilities. Yeah. You know, with dangerous neighbours and rah, 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 rah. Yeah, he's viewing me with alarm. Um, so he needs to view someone. He's viewing me and Pytax and, you know, Vinehold and all the stabby surrounding people with alarm so he can keep martial law in place. Um, the specifics of the detail of the um, deal between Pytax and Drelev you don't get a lot of. Uh, it wasn't, however... Uh, Drelev apparently proposed the same deal that Grolton got, of, you know, you just go home and we'll all forget this happened. Yeah. And Pytex said, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and has apparently pushed them for reparations and things. Right, yeah. Um, which Drelev is now harping on about, you know, the oppression and blah, but, blah, but and blah, had... blah, increased taxes, blah, blah. But he had to pay them, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't get the specifics of how much, you just know from some of the spies you've gotten in Fort Drelev telling yeah. you the town criers are out, you know, deploring the terrible but necessary tax increase owing to the cruel, you know, yeah. clockwork king and who does not care if their pe- people starve and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that happens. Uh, you will also hear, because this is event you would be following, uh, movement on his council. Yep. Um his general, Kundal, is yep. replaced. Ah, uh, okay. Um, theoretically for losing the war. Yeah. He's given command of an army instead. Yeah. Uh, and his new general is someone that you know, of, of course. Of course, it's, it's Garnet Bonepicker. It's Bone- Garnet Bonepicker. Yeah, I should have seen that coming. Alright, is it possible for um, me to... Um, Preemptively declare war. No, um, just, you know, let Kundal know that there's still employment on a friendlier side of the fence, because, you know, he was, um, he was theoretically getting paid a lot of money to switch. Apparently he's still getting paid a lot of money. Oh, right, okay. He's, he's perfectly happy with it. Okay, well, if he's getting over, if he's getting overpaid to that extent, he's, he's, now in fact, he's now in fact getting paid the same amount of money to do less work, because the army is no longer doing anything. Right, yes. Because they're no longer fighting. Yeah. On the other hand, the um, Drailer's reputation with his general, with his army jet commanders, isn't super awesome. Uh, keep in mind, most of those are not commonly known facts that right, you are yeah. discovering. Mm-hmm. This is your intrigue and your spy work with yeah. your highly accomplished politi- political master, Michaela, yeah. digging out this information painstakingly over the course of several weeks. All right, so um, we'll um, send a quiet bit of correspondence to Kundal, suggesting that you know. It, it could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what he's doing. Right. And that is Abadias. Yes. And it's, except for exploration. Yes, yes. 
Det är mig som är på C10 are both grassland. Yep. Uh, in B10, you find a thing. Who are you taking with you? Brent. Uh, search checks. Uh, no, sorry, listen checks, in fact. Oh, okay. My apologies. Uh, Brent will hear it. Sweet, the camera doesn't. <laughs> So, well, it's like a 12. I might hear it if you were You were loping along on your second day, and Bryn, her ears twitch slightly. She drops low to the ground, and she says, Shh, listen. You hear nothing remarkable. What is that? I, I don't know. I don't know, love. I can't hear it. Sounds like... Whispering, like voices, an ambush. You know, she looks around. There's some vague hillocks around. People pressed low to the ground. Well, let's keep a watch out. So, I need to find it. So she will start following this noise she can hear. Um, and as you get substantively closer to some of the little hillocks, you can hear it as well. This vaguely unsettling sound of. It sounds vaguely like a handful of people whispering, although the longer you listen to it, the more you're sure it's not a language that you know. Um, nor do you see anyone in particular, and then you both get a spot check. Uh, Kellen fails. Spectre on a fight at four or thereabouts. We're in actually mine as well, yeah. Give me a minute as I flip back and forward. Yeah, you're doing fine. Sparks. 18. Plus 7. We'll give her exactly enough to Good block stuff. this. Just. Yep. Because um, I'll be in fine pickle if Rune can't spot things. <laughs> no people here. Sure of it. No tracks, no signs. Only little holes and hills. And she goes down and looks through them. She says, here, here, this is where whispering comes from. And you can see in the hills there are a thin hand, there, there are innumerable small holes, by which I mean several dozen at least, each one about the width of a pencil or so, and that's where this weird whispering noise is coming from. Um, 
and Brim sort of pokes her eye right up against one of the holes. Uh, and in fact, can't see a damn thing because it's pitch dark in there. So it gets you to poke an eye up against one of the holes. And you see glintering, glinting in there in your black and white dark room. There is a tangle of crystals beneath here, beneath this hillock. Weird. Like shiny looking crystals. And I will tell her what I see and propose digging up the hillock a bit to take a look at what's going on with them. Yeah, you whip out shovel, you yep. smash the hillock up, but you know, it's several hours of hard labour, yep. neither of you two blink at it. Um, what you open up on is there is a string under this hill of extremely small, extremely narrow caverns. Um, taking them, you wouldn't be able to explore them, neither of you will physically fit into the tunnels, and I mean even remotely. Yeah. You'd need to be a very greasy halfling to get in here. Um, but there are these tangles of strange crystals down there, and that's what's producing the noise. Wind is blowing through the holes into the crystals, and it's producing this weird whispering, muttering noise. And so yeah, this cavern is full of a grotto full of crystals. Cool. Shiny looking crystals. So okay. there's the whispering grotto. Whispering grotto, cool. So where is that in the hex? Uh, just south of center. Okay. So is that Hex Grassland? It is Grassland. Cool. So um, I will, when we return to civilization, talk to people about it and see if anyone has thoughts on the mm-hmm. anything interesting about that. Uh, and um, additionally, um, we will, with care, put the hillside back the way we found it and sort of leave it, and give it leave it as it was. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the grass is pretty much done for. The grass where we dug is pretty much done for, but we'll endeavor to recover the things so that the crystals are preserved. Uh, Tristan, thanks for this. He says, uh, I don't think they're fey lands at all. Fey are not so common out Barnholz Bay. Uh, looks slightly sad. Ear- earlier expansions took care of that. Uh, and he sort of looks at the crystals. I mean, they look like they're of value in jewellery and the like. I... Don't see. I don't see anything particularly remarkable about them beyond the sound they produce. Uh, and Corwin, on the other hand, will make a profession minor check. Mm-hmm. And Corwin looks at him and says, "Well, would you bloody look at that? Now there's something you don't see every day." What are they? Oh no, I mean I know something that Lord Fancy Pants doesn't. Ah. that's something you don't see every day. Tell us more. <laughs> Justin says, oh, you know what they are? Aye, and you don't. That's what startled me. <laughs> I wonder if I've woken up in the first world or something this morning. <laughs> come on, come on, tell us what they are. Uh, well, I would say, my lad, that what you have there is some sort of port- some sort of portal to the Darklands. Uh, they're the deep, deep caverns that go below, full of uh, weird, fungi, dark elves. Other such strange things, the Underdark, essentially. Yeah. The Underdark by another name. Um, he says, these, these are whispering crystals. You don't see that many of them. Interesting things, whenever they get any sort of, uh, any sort of stimulus of noise on them, he sort of jabs, jabs one with a little piece of metal and it produces a different ding, 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 echoing noise that bears no relation to the tool that he used to create the sound. Likewise, wind on them shouldn't produce whispering like that. He says, well, 
I mean, they'll be they'll be da- they'll be reasonably valuable if you want to set up a mine or the likes in there. But there's certain risks associated with digging too deep into the darklands. There's all all manner of nasty beasties down there, always always looking for a way out. Not many of them get on well with the surface world, so most of them don't come too high. But those who dig too greedily and too deep, well, it's been the ruin of many a dwarf. All right. Well, we've got we've got that um um. Okay, we've got that good cave uh, northwards, which has got the good stuff in it. I think we might um, we might leave this one leave this one to its own devices. So yeah, basically, there's a potential um, a potentially rich mine or some such thing there. Yeah, but it comes with its own set of risks. Yeah, I think I'll pass, but it's good to know. Yep, entirely up to you. Okay. Uh, Corwin is certainly not advising you not to. He's merely telling you there are dangers associated with digging too deeply into the darklands. Yeah. Uh, the crystals themselves, however, he thinks. Uh, you know, not poisonous, not explosive. Leaving them sitting there won't do anything beyond producing some occasional weird noises. Yeah. So we could potentially recover the crystals themselves, or... Uh, you, you'd, you'd have to excavate them, is the thing, which would yeah. be building a mine in there. It's not something Caelan's going to do himself. Right, yeah. Not okay. for the... You know, you, you've seen hundreds and hundreds of these little thin caverns around. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Um... And what you yourself can dig up with a shovel in a couple of hours is a handful about yay big, which yep. is not really worth the amount of time you're putting into it. Yes, no, that makes sense. So you would need to to formally set up a mine on it to get it going. Yeah. Um, which Corwin thinks would be a valuable resource, but, but it's only whether you want to do it. No, what he's telling you is because the crystals are not inherently radioactive, um, if you want, basically, the you've, your three options here, um, mine it. Yep. Leave it sitting as it is, yeah, and or uh, bury it entirely right, to yeah. prevent any possibility of anything coming out of it, right? Yeah, which will cut off your capacity to mine it altogether, yeah. but will also seal off any potential incursions from the darklands, right? Understood. So those are the three options available to you. You yeah. may take any of them, but obviously, you know, when you take the one or three, it precludes um, leaving it there. Yes. And Tristan, having uh, been told this is what they are, can waffle in great detail about the Darklands. Yeah. I heard there was an island somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Full of some kind of plant fungus thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's what was on the Silent Island? Was the Dark... Some of was... From the Darklands? Yeah, something. Yeah. That's what we recognised anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, um... Cholesterol? Uh, that was over the last, yes, cholesterol. Cholesterol 4719? Yep. It's the new, shift over to the new year? Yep, I have mine listed as 18 slash 19, so. Yep. Um, failed my stability check, which is rare enough to be notable as uh, my control DCs have gone up. Um, dis- cla- gained and discarded a scroll of animate dead of all the startlingly useless things. Um, and built, um, uh, mine in Varnholz in one of the mountain hexes that is unused, mm-hmm. as it was previously unused, and um, walls in Varnholz to um, get the um, get their defense value up because they have zero, which is a little unnerving, mm-hmm. and um, also built a tradesman in Varnholz. Okay. Uh. 
in cholesterol, no events of any particular kind happen. Uh, okay. Um, generally speaking, um, relations between the centaurs and, and the citizens of Varnhold that you're keeping a pretty good eye on are very stable, but they're not really assimilating together. Yeah. They're, they're very much two sets of people who live in the The same same. kingdom. Yeah. There's been no incidents of any kind, but there's actually been almost the absence of incidents is what's itching at you. Like, they're not getting into it enough together to actually have the bar fight where someone thumps a centaur over the head with a club and inadvertently kills them. They're pointedly ignoring each other. Very much so. Which is troubling. And um, Michaela and I will go poke around some of the blighted lands um, yep. near Vordekai Stronghold. Yep. And we'll, um, in fact, specifically specifically explore um, the hex that Vordekai's lair is in. Yep. And the two south of it. So that's um, E9, uh, D10, and E10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh so, D9, E9... No, E9, D10, N, and E10. E9, D10. Okay. Yep. So, what you'll discover is all of those lands are blighted. Um, when you went there earlier, now, you know, four, four or five months ago, um, what you were experiencing were very bad dreams and the sense of just general unease, the same sort of thing you felt on Camomile, like someone was watching you. It's still there, but the effects are more pronounced. Now, among other things, the plant life in here is dying. Yeah. Um, the animal life in here is dying, whether as a result of the blight directly or as a result of the ongoing effects. Yeah. You'd have to be more of an expert to know. Uh, but you see, you it's no, by no stretch of imagination completely abandoned, but you see very few animals, you know, the grass is sort of stunted and stunted and turning that sort of brown colour when it's going slightly off. Um, and it's like that across all of them. Yeah. Uh, whenever you sleep, you have nightmares here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they at least have the variety of being different, but they are all nightmares of personal horror to Kaelin. You have dreams that you've gone back and your castle has burned down and Bryn and the kids and the twins were still inside. You have dreams that Pytax has invaded your kingdom and just swept it away and... You know, you found yourself unable to pick up a sword and defend it in any way, and the sort of thing. Yeah. Every time you endeavor to sleep there, and you would probably only do it two or three times. Yeah. You have different dreams. You have the same experience. You sort of sleep very uneasily. You bolt up. Uh, Michaela, who will actually notice this, uh, can't prepare spells in here. She cannot get a good night's sleep. Yeah. In order to actually do it. Yeah. Um. Beyond that, uh, you find Vordekai's tomb is still frozen there. Yeah. Um, it, it's got a number of guards and things around it. Um, the people who are actually... The Order of the Silver Twilight, who are actually guarding and exploring Vordekai's tomb, report no real disturbances there. They're not having any trouble sleeping. Which was my ex- our experience before, right? Y- yes. We didn't have trouble in the tomb itself. Yes. Well, that's good to know. Are the guards having problems guarding outside the tomb? Uh, no, not the slightest. Sweet. They're not, you know, awesomely far outside. They're literally across the frozen bit of river. It's sweet, so that's why. Because I was a bit concerned about that. Um, what they... Ah, uh, yes, sorry. What they have actually found is there's, there's literally an area around it where this doesn't happen, 
and it extends exactly as far as the ice. Yeah. So as long as they're vaguely on the island or on the ice guarding their flying, if they try and sleep out off the frozen chunk of river and on the blighted land itself, then they start having nightmares again. Right. So yeah. they guard the front door as opposed yeah. to guarding the wider area. Like, there's still a patrol around it. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's not such a big deal because yeah. they're not exposed to it constantly, which is important. No. Kel was a bit worried about that. Um, they will at this point pretty much be able to tell you what's an F9. You're going there anyway. Yeah. So, um, all three of these hexes are mountain. Right. So, um, so, if nine is mountain, okay. And um, e. Yeah, if 9's mountain, Vortex Tomb is mountain. Yep. E ten is mountain. Okay. Yep. There's E ten. Yes, it is. Okay. Um. So they will be able to tell you. Um, and the centaurs can more freely tell you this sort of stuff now. Uh, what is in F9? Yep. Um, uh, the centaurs, by their oral tradition, call the land Ola Kankatet. Um, a word that's loosely based off Kankarata, it means the forbidden ground. Yeah. Uh, they just know they're not supposed to go there, or yep. by their oral tradition they don't really have... Um, well, obviously now they can safely estimate it's something to do with Vortigai. Yeah. And not wanting people to inadvertently go and poke Vortigai's tomb and that sort of thing. Um, what you find in that is there is a big wide valley um, with a bunch of stuff the centaurs set up many years ago. There are bones and skulls, um, human, yeah. all over the place, decorated up as sort of like warning, like warning things on yeah. bikes to drive people off. Um, it runs the entire six-mile opening to the valley, so there's a lot of dead people in here yeah. that the centaurs have killed. Yeah. Um, Akora can just tell you, you know, like, she and her people personally didn't kill all of them, but this is, like, what they've done with the last 200 years' worth of humans they've been fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, beyond that... Um, Uh, what you will see in here now um, is there is a lot, a lot, a lot of large disturbed chunks of ground. Right, uh, yeah. As if a large number of gigantic undead things have dug their way out of the ground around this area. Yeah. Uh, the Order of the Silver Twilight will tell you that they have actually found one or two dread zombie cyclopses still wandering around this area and yeah. put them down with prejudice. Yeah, good stuff. Um, but that is what is here, that the Valley of the Dead... Cool. Okay, so that is, and that is F9? Is that the is F9. Okay, where does the river run? Uh, the river runs... I can't see it on that map. It may just peter out, but it looks like it runs into that head. So the, the area around Vortico's Tome is now frozen off. Yeah. Um, uh, no, in fact, it, it goes to Vortico's Tome and then goes up towards um, where the Watcher Stone is. Ah, right, so it doubles back round. Yeah, it starts curving back up there, and then peters out just before it hits the Watcher's Stone Hex. Okay. We'll just redraw that a smidgen. And basically that, that several square metre area around Vortico's Tomb is frozen, and remains frozen regardless of the fact that the weather um, doesn't necessarily support it being such. Yeah. It isn't frozen all the way to the bottom, though, so the river keeps flowing under it, but you've got, like, a metre-thick sheet of unmelting ice. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just still there, apparently. Yep. Lab's little fingerprint on the world. Yep. Yes, that is what you find. Okay, so... Where's the Valley of the Dead? Uh... Let me help you. Um, I can doodle it on your map if you like. Okay. So I can then draw the mountain range in as well. Okay. So basically, that little upper line there is the bit of grassland that's in on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Valley of Deer is along the edge of that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yes, because I found zombie holes and hex above, it looks yes, like. because there's more of them buried there that the centre was didn't know about. Yeah. So, um, so I've explored that one. And then, um... What about um, D10? D10? Yep. So, just arbitrarily doing three at a time. Yep, yep. Uh, that is Blighted Mountain. Okay. That's what I've got written down there. Just checking. Okay. Alright, and that's exploration... In um, cholesterol. Yep. And that moves us on to frost. Yep, tell me about frost. Okay, so um, made my stability check, um, gained an incense of love and discarded it. This was not a startling collection of um, generation. Um, I um, claimed a hex in Varnhold, D3, which is the one that they that they had that had a road up to Brevoy and they then put it back, mm-hmm. and then they, they lost that hex. Um, so I've got... I, I okay, So, um, Caitlin's lands now have a road up to Brevoy, a route through um, the Green Belt and the Noman Heights, which then lead back up to Brevoy, so we've kind of got an alternate trading route mm-hmm. left through Brevoy. I mean, I don't expect to get an economy bonus because we already connected to Brevoy previously, but it's kind of cool nonetheless. Um, built another farm on... Um, it, um, in D3 in D, um, yes, in D3 um, and bought Masterwork Armour for Keston's Bowman which was very expensive I also um, built a tavern in Thornwatch and a shop in Lakeview because Lakeview still didn't have a shop despite having been operational for ages mm-hmm. yes, and that was for us yep. does anything happen in for us? Uh, of vague note, you will notice that um, Elder Thorn's prediction that Revoy was going to fall apart in the next couple of months hasn't happened. Tensions okay. have definitely continued to increase, but it... Put it this way, knowing what you know from him behind the scenes, um, you're now hitting the point where you can see the collapse coming. Right. It hasn't happened yet, but it's now, tensions have now become obvious enough that there isn't going to be a good way out of this. Yeah. Um, there are three factions heavily developing all against each other. House Sotova. Yeah. Uh, the Croft rightful rule yeah, yeah. of Brevoy. Um, House Kalath, who are the other people. Um, and the, the Brevoyan Alliance of Independent Lords. Um, all who, the buggers who normally wouldn't have a chance. Well, apparently what's happened is usually 
the the various lords, and this is where Eldest Thorn would sit, are pushed to join one camp or the other. Yeah. Apparently this has now gone on for so long and there's been so much political infighting that the lords themselves have formed their own independent third faction. Right. And all three of them sit vaguely equally in power at this point. Which is where it's turning to custard, is there's two, instead of the factions settling down on one side winning. Yeah, it's usually the independent lords who decide the balance. You know, whichever side can sway more of them wins it. It's all gone Um, very Game of Thrones. Yeah, but at this point it's gone very Game of Thrones and there's now three factions instead of two competing. Yeah. But, and there have been a lot of unofficial skirmishes. Yeah. Uh, I have a role-playing scene for you here. Yes. Um, But you can do your exploring first if you desire. Yep, might as well. Okay, um, so I will, um... Take Tristram out. Oh, and and it's about at this point that you finally start getting your um your payout for solving the Norman Centaur problem, which I already gave you a while yeah. ago for your trivia list. Um, because you get part of it paid by House Sertova, who say, yes, you know, they agreed to this, but they didn't agree to how much. House Galath says, we didn't agree to this at all, but, you know, House Sertova are a bunch of treacherous bastards, so we're going to support you in exchange for, you know, your undying devotion, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. And the Independent Alliance of Lords, who have basically made it a policy to make vague payouts on Brevoy's existing debts and promises. Yeah. So what happens is each of them pays you about a third of what you're due, and you more or less get it. You get ripped off by, you know, a hundred gold pieces or so, but not enough that you'd care. So the, um, and they all sort of, Kellen's getting important enough that they all kind of sort of want him yeah, to be yeah. on their side. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All of them claim to be the true masters of Brevoy, except the Independent Alliance of Lords, who don't actually claim to have their own contender for King of Brevoy. Yeah. They claim to be sort of, uh, metaphorically representing the true spirit of Brevoy and its traditions and alliances and things. Yeah. Alright, um, I will take Tristram out. And actually let him conjure me a phantom. Can he do two at once Yes, now? easily. Cool. Because um, what I want to do is explore some of the miscellaneous hexes halfway across the country. Well, you'll like this. They can move at about 200 feet around, so five, four times the speed of, five times the speed of your horse, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we shouldn't have any trouble passing water or boggy terrain. Mountains may be a bit more of an issue, but... Alright, we'll, um... Okay, and we will explore A3. A3 has nothing in it, grassland. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, um, also, um, E7. (laughs) You're gonna make me look all over the map on this one. E7 also has grassland, bordered by mountains. Yep, and nothing in it. Nothing in it. Cool, and then lastly, we will pop down and explore F8. F8. Right, that's that's all over the show. Uh, also, grassland, nothing in it. Cool. Yes, that's why I picked Tristram. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. But we are now down to one, two, three, four, five, six, six hexes to go. Okay. And. Want to do some role playing? Oh, good lord! I, if I still remember how. <laughs> Slow. <Slurk. laughs> yes, yes, I do. Okay. Um, you and Bryn. Yep. 
um, both receive a formal invitation as the king and queen of Stagthorn uh, to attend the theatre on um, one night in Forest. Um, Jerabeth's new play has come to fruition. Oh, you know, it was written a while ago. They've practiced it. It's ready for it. And this is basically gala night at the theatre. Okay. Um, everyone of, of prominent note in your kingdom has been invited. So your whole council has been invited. Yeah. Um, you and Bryn have been invited. Um, you would know, you know, va- your um, father has been invited, that sort of thing as well. Caleb yeah. um, will personally make sure that at least one councillor doesn't go, someone who wouldn't be super keen on it anyway, just so it's not his entire council in one place. <laughs> not that he's paranoid. Yeah, to be honest, actually, a couple of your councillors will will float the same idea to you. Good. Although, um, you it, it, given that it's Chief Sootscale floating it, you're not so sure. He's you're, you're pretty sure he's kind of thinking about security and kind of thinking about how he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Um, Viscuit actually does want to go for the yeah. human cultural experience. I'm perfectly happy for her to come. Um, uh, you would expect... Cor- Corwin's like, ah, uh, um... Uh, yeah, uh. We could have some vital paperwork that really needs to be done now. It's been a long time since I went to a fancy theatre theater do like that. I think I lost my taste for them, really. But uh, uh, I suppose I, I should make an appearance. I'd be just as happy to have one or two folks sit out. Uh, it makes me jumpy everyone going. Yeah, uh, Van... Vaughn will actually turn this down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's all right. Between Vaughn and Corn, between Vaughn and Corn and Chief Skills, they should certainly keep the kingdom running. If anybody, I'd be a bit sad if it was Chief Skills on his own, but the three of them should be fine. Corwin actually will attend. Okay. Um, there's a good two hours of pissing round, effectively having champagne and strawberries in the lobby outside yeah. beforehand. Uh, and Corwin spends about half an hour there and comes up to you. Ugh, no, I, I really have lost my test for this sort of thing. I don't like being here. I, I want to go, and he will just exit. Yeah, doesn't particularly care about how socially impolite it is to do so, and people yeah. do indeed mutter. Yeah. Um, the person that you're really not expecting to see here, that you do see here, is Cressel of yeah. all people, and wearing this strange sort of thing you've never seen before on her. Um, it appears to be vaguely long and flowing. It has straps up over the shoulders. Some, some very vague, um, you know, neck showing rather than cleavage. It looks almost like a dress of some kind. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. But you, you've never seen her in anything but her leather armour, basically. Yeah. Keelan broods deeply about what his odds of getting decapitated are if he compliments her on appearance and then decides that he's a brave stalwart adventuring type. Um, you, you will notice, however, that she is carrying a pair of what look like reasonably well-made handbags that don't quite match the dress that hang down around her. And, and oh, when, well, when Kayla not... looks at it, it's like, each one of those is big enough to hold a hand axe. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got some odd pokey bits. <laughs> you know, them. she hasn't got hand axes concealed in the dress because it's not that sort of dress. Yeah. You know, you'd notice them. Yeah. <laughs> she and and she does actually have a decent athletic figure on her when you actually get a look at it. Although yeah. I imagine Kaylin's very wisely not ugly. Oh hell no. Um, you will, however, notice that um, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Kirsten Garris? No, no, um, no. Kirsten has tried this tried this on before and learned not to. Yeah. We would think the first time she tried to murder him would have been a subtle hint that she wasn't interested. Um. Uh, there is Idris Tanvaki, the guy whose um, dead brother you found. Oh, yes. He is one of the nobles of your kingdom. Yeah. Um, comes up to her, and as far as Caelan observes, this does nothing overly untoward. He greets her like he would a proper lady, you know, holds her hand up, kisses it, you know, says something presumably flattering to her, and Cressel kind of just glares at him and pulls the hand away and, and doesn't quite slap him, but twitches a couple of times <laughs> at the handbag, and Idris sort of looks at her like... Okay. <laughs> just sort of, you know, makes his polite yeah. his politenesses and walks away. Yeah. Alright, in that case I'm definitely going to go off and say hello. And you approach her, she looks up at you. Caleb. Her, her body language is sort of tucked away like this. She's come in the silky dress with yeah. his, his kind of arms folded over the chest. Hey, what's up? Hey. Have we got work to do? Something need doing? No, it's it's alright. Not that I'd, I'd be heartbroken if, you know, trolls invaded or something, but there's been no, there's been no, um, there's been no sign of it. I'm afraid those of us who turned up will have to sit through it. Unless you, um, want to do a call and just walk out in the sock. <laughs> you, you look, um, you look very pretty. <laughs> um... You, 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 you think so? Sort of fidgets, kind of. She looks like she wants to slap you for half a minute, then swallows it and twitches slightly awkwardly. Yeah. Oh, well. Um. Thanks, I, I, I guess. It was, um. I went to, um. Uh. Uh. uh what's her name? Um, I, I went to Lady Valara, who. Put me on to her tailor. You know, these people have tailors. And, and he came back with this. It's a lot more, you know. Well, well if I get stabbed, I'm gonna bleed all over the place. But I suppose that doesn't happen at these parties. But, but I figured I had to have something nice to come, because I got, you know, specially invited and, and all that sort of thing. And, uh... You got specially invited? Uh, as far as you're aware, your, your council oh, yes. invited as people. Ah, yes, for yes, some yes, yes. Uh, you actually get to see its motive check here, however. Yes, that would be good. Okay. Um, I've got these days. Awesome. Oh, wow, that is a lot. 18. Okay, so good old Knights of Fall, the She quite certainly got invited as Lady Cressel, you know, yeah. royal enforcer of your kingdom in her own right. Yeah. But you don't really think that would have held any more sway over her than it would have over Chief Sutscale or anything yeah. like that. Um, so she did get invited as Lady Cressel Royal Enforcer, but she also got invited as someone else. Yeah. Uh, you got invited specially? Uh, um, not like, um, um, your father, Eldest, um, Asked if if I was um, attending. Oh. And and I thought you know I, if he was going to be here then, then I should and then I'd better make a, a proper show of it. So it's not to embarrass him, his friends. And... 
She like just trails off and I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that was very nice of you. It's, um... He's used to all sorts of people, eh? I mean, look at what Bryn wears. And I glance affectionately back to where Bryn is wearing exactly what Bryn usually <laughs> yep, wears. Yeah, wolf cloak. <laughs> Everyone gets... Some of the high society people sort of looking at us like scandalous and going, oh, darling. <laughs> but, yeah, everybody gets used to it. Yeah, Bryn didn't want to come. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, you're the queen, you have to. <laughs> yeah. I have pregnancy issues. You always have pregnancy issues with this kind of thing, though. They're really bad this time. <laughs> Midwife says you're fine. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, so Bryn didn't get morning sickness except when no. it, 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 it no, morning sickness Bryn has except... picked up a, a very weird case that Agash has never seen where she gets nauseous when she's invited to <laughs> events regardless of what time in the pregnancy that for. Yeah. And Agash sort of, you know, came and examined her as she does every time, but basically said, ah, ah, you big bloody girl. Yeah. <laughs> Get out there, the wee barns will be falling out of you any time soon. You're not sick, you're not sick in the slightest. <laughs> it's, I know it's weird, it's not like this is my sort of party. It's, you know, I've got tiny food and tiny drinks and weird awkward conversations with nobles and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, not really sort of my my scene. And you will see Aldous walking across the room towards you as unless you prevent him from doing something, no, so he no. just walks in on this conversation. No, no, I... He walks in, picks up the last one or two lines and and says, Ah You'll get used you'll get used to it in time. The thing to keep in mind is that well, a lot of these people he lowers his voice like well a lot of these people may seem decorative, they're fulfilling a lot of valuable economic functions in the kingdom. Sort of, ah, yeah, I, I suppose. Unfolds her body language slightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <and> he, <laughs> just sort of looks you up and down. Are you done up in your fine regalia for this? Your uh, nobles outfit? Uh, yes, I think for this outfit, um, I will tragically yeah. be unable to get out of wearing the plate. And I suspect um, there's probably been some tit for tat, and that Caitlin wanted to wear the plate, and Bryn said, "If I have to go, on, she's yeah. supposed to wear that." <laughs> Eldest looks you up and down. Well, you shine up nicely, boy. I know this isn't really your. I know this isn't really your sort of scene, but I expect the play itself. I expect the play itself. He, he sort of his eyes dart very slightly. Will, will be very thought provoking if it isn't mind bogglingly. If it isn't too mind bogglingly artistic for any of us to understand. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'll get through it. I've managed to duck out of a formal ball, and bright side, at least if I ever do have to attend one, I'll be married. And, um, Kellen will smile again affectionately over it for him. The, um, they were trying to drag me to a bunch of them so that they could marry me off from all the horrific nightmares. It's a good point about the economic value, and he drops his voice as well. And the, the two of you are having a sort of a discussion about this, and then you see Jerabeth, uh, not Lady Jerabeth, she insists upon being called, Pe- people make the mistake all the time. Yeah. Um, and she just very politely and gently corrects them to just Jerabeth. Yeah. Um, she floats in, she is not actually done up in a particularly fine gown, it is a nice silken thing, 
But what Crystal is wearing is actually more noble than her. Yeah. And Crystal looks increasingly awkward as Jobeth just sort of glides over towards you. Yeah. And joins in the conversation and she says, Huh. Your maj your Majesty, thank you so much for coming to our little production. Puts the hand up to be because Lord Thorne yeah, gets the same from her, you know. Lady Crystal uh Crystal folds herself up yeah. here, yeah, yeah. I do hope you so much, in, I, I do hope you enjoy it tonight. The play can be quite thought-provoking, like certain subjects, and Elders gives you this little sideways <laughs> look and just scratches his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're so looking, we're so looking forward to it, the passion that my artists have brought into it, it spoke to me. I, I have a lovely young man directing this, and several very talented, and, and several very talented, uh, a lovely young man who wrote and directed, the, and is directing this tonight, and several very talented performers. Well, I understand you yourself are quite the artist. I understand that you yourself are quite the artist, Lord Elders. And Elders sort of raises an eyebrow to you as far as you know. Like, he probably has a handful of vague, you know, whittlingy hobbies. Yeah. Certainly, um, at, the, at most, no more than you do with your jewellery making, yeah. and probably substantively less. Yeah. In the sense, and, and you know, even at this juncture, Callan doesn't tell people about that. Yeah. He doesn't. Pro- I mean, obviously, you know, his close friends know, but um, because he does it on the trail and stuff. But with the exception of, and you know, the people designing the castle, he had to make him a little workshop and stuff. But he doesn't tell people about it. And Eldis looks at her and he says, "I fear you must be mistaken, Lady Jewel." It's just Jerobeth, and I'm never mistaken about this sort of thing. I can. She rubs her hands slightly where she, where the, the two of you have kissed it. Yeah, I can. I can always tell an artist's temperament. Uh, Lord Kalen, Lord Kalen here has a certain glint about him. It's not strong, but it is there. But you yourself are very powerful in your art. What is it, Lord Elders? And Elders, I'm afraid I really don't know what you're talking about. And Crystal just tugs on him slightly, leans over and whispers something. And Elders looks slightly illumined by this. You really think politics is an art form? Ah. It is the art of... It, it is an art like war. War continued by other means is what they call politics, I'm told. Jarrett <laughs> slightly. I'm told you're quite the art of it. Ah, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Elders looks vaguely confused, but kind of flattered. Yeah, uh, and this conversation rattles on for a little bit, and then there's the ding, ding, polite little ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding of one of these servitors. And he says, the play will be starting in 40 minutes. Please take your seats. <laughs> and you've got, of course, the, the royal box up there. Yeah. Um, and as you are starting to head up, um, Jeribeth says, you'll forgive me, but... I have just enjoyed. I, I have just enjoyed the company of this. I have enjoyed the company of being surrounded by thorns so much. As she looks at the two mm. of you, that I would very much love to join you in your box if that if that is acceptable to you. Elders vaguely looks to you. you yeah, uh, of course. We'd be honoured to have you. Um, and when you and and you are taken up there, um, and can you roll me a sense motive? I think. As this byplay goes on. Alright, 
Kellen wants to get the hell out of here and it's making him unperspective. That was a seven, I crit fumble. Okay, so what you have up here is basically you have your royal box that has the king, the queen, and like six other assorted seats for whoever in it. Yeah. And then beneath that you have the slightly secondary tire that would generally be filled by your council. Like your royal box would host, for example, other kings, visiting dignitaries. Yeah. Uh, possibly your children. Your children, things of that nature. Well, they're watching. Um, <laughs> they're certainly listening. You, you are up in it, as is Britain. Yeah. Um, as is, um, uh, as is Tristan. Yeah. Who's reasonably interested in what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, as is Eldis, as is Jeremiah. Right, yeah. Um, Tristan will deliberately sit like an empty seat or as far away from Eldis as he can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremiah sits right next to Eldis and continues to chat admiringly with him whenever there's a pause in the action of the play. Yeah. You know, and... Is Jeremiah is Elvin, isn't she? She is Elvin. Yeah. So the age thing isn't necessarily... If she's trying to pick him up, the uh, age she, thing isn't necessarily a barrier for you're, her. You're pretty confident you're watching her flirt with him. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she's smiling. Because it would be a slightly weird thing for a, human, a young human woman to do for a man, you know... Yeah, if, but, you know, 40, she could be she could be 300 years his elder. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just kind of a different vibe. Um, is she Elvin? Yes, yes, she is Elvin. Yeah, I thought she was. Yeah, um... Her and Lady and I are both Elven yeah. and vaguely similar to each other in, in a few aspects. Lady yeah. and I is here as well, of course. Yes, naturally. One of the lesser boxes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I will have made polite conversation with her at some point in the evening because I have to, but you know. <laughs> uh, and what you will pick up here is that Tristan puts himself as far away from Elders as possible while still being in the same box. They exchange a few, you know, polite. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, father. You know, Tristan, nod, yeah. nod. You know, hope you enjoy the play, yes, nod, nod. Yeah. Awkward silence, Jeremiah yeah. moves in. So, you know, how do you feel about this? Um, and Cressel appears to have been displaced altogether to somewhere. Yeah. Um, when you look down um, at the intermission for the play, she has left. Yeah. Oh. She either didn't come to it altogether or she snuck off around intermission. Yeah. Um, the play itself, I'm just going to guess to Caelan's sensibilities here. Yeah. Um, is something called The King in Yellow and appears to be about two fictitious warring factions that live in a magical city that might be in the clouds and might be in the realm of dreams. Or, as Caelan, uh, can you actually give me a wisdom check here? Or I will take any sort of performy, arty type check. Uh, any, any form of art-based skill you have, which I would include your craft jewellery making on. Okay, um, then that is a 10. Okay. You think there might be a vague hint in there somewhere that the play, the, the actor, the characters in the play are supposed to be dreams projected by the audience viewing the play. Right, yeah. Or something. Yeah. But it's it's so couched in metaphor in that and at some point, they're, they're all waiting for the king in yellow to appear at their grand party. They appear to be essentially fiddling while Rome burns. The city is on fire behind them, and you're not sure whether it's meant to be metaphorical, because no one notices or pays it any heed. Yeah. And the king in yellow makes his grand appearance after a lot of big talk, and the play just ends right there. He literally yeah. walks on, has no lines, and the play ends. 
Yeah. And suddenly there's rapt applause from the swooning audience. Yeah. And Kaylin's left sitting there going, huh? Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of understand, like you could name some characters and maybe what the relationship is between them, but you couldn't tell whether any of it was supposed to be real or if yeah. it was a metaphor, what the metaphor was for. Yeah. And you're left very unsatisfied with the story of we're all waiting for the king in yellow, then he shows up. Yeah. And, and the event is over. Yeah. On the other hand, that was pretty much exactly what Kaylin expected it would be like. Um. <laughs> yeah. And Bryn <laughs> <laughs> makes her form-based checks, leans over to you, and in a very quiet voice, because it is Bryn, says, What this... What the seven hells was that? Don't ask me, love. I didn't understand any of it. They set the theatre on fire behind them, and none of the actors reacted. Um, maybe it was a metaphor for something? It was stupid. I know. (laughs) And the defences were woeful. They should have, um, they should have had actual guards on the, I mean... And there was clearly a rival kingdom about to invade while all was chaos, and they weren't reinforcing the guard at all. Is that what the king in yellow was doing? So he won then? I mean, he walked in, were his armies fighting outside? <laughs> and Lady and I spawned up, wasn't that fabulous, darling? It spoke to my soul. <laughs> I've never seen such an insightful work. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what did you think of the Johnson Quar inspired aspects? No idea what she's talking about whatsoever. I thought it was very good. <laughs> she looks you up and it's like, yes, <laughs> yes, prattles slightly in a slightly simpler term. Yeah. Uh, and then there is the two hour after party as well. Yeah. Which at least has the advantage that Kaylin's probably roaringly drunk by the time this ends. Because <laughs> no, they just I keep think... handing out champagne. Uh, Kaylin will definitely drink some of the cheaper... Uh, of en- the enough, to, enough to buzz himself, but wants to yeah, stay but, um, but will, at this point, it, it take pity on both him and Bryn and use the excuse of his heavenly pregnant wife to go home early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that one you can get away with. Mm-hmm. Um... And yes, that is the end of the theatre scene. So, um, having successfully pr- smuggled Brynn out of the party, I'll suggest she either go home or go skulls in the forest or whatever she wants to do and go check on, go check on crystals, okay? Uh, and you give spot check as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a 14. Okay. Uh, you will spot Lady Jerabeth in the after party is also flirting with Tristan. Oh. <laughs> Separately and independently of Eldis, who's over, now over there doing some other thing. Okay. And he is also fairly, fairly, um... Drunk? Uh, no, neither of them are, Um, Tristan is actually more hammered than he usually is. He's yeah. had... Like, you watched him sit there during the play and, and look at Eldis and have another champagne, look mm-hmm. at Eldis and have another... He's certainly not hammered, mm-hmm. but he's, he's kind of a little blitzed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eldis, on the other hand, you have watched, uh, appears to have had a drink in his hand most of the night, um, mm-hmm. appears stone-cold sober, mm-hmm. and as you think about it, you've seen him raise it to his lips several times. Mm-hmm. You're not sure you ever saw the level in the glass go down. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, my okay. 
with that context, my money is that Jerabeth knows that the, um, now knows that, um, Tristram and Aldous are my close relations. Oh yeah, that's, that's been advertised at this point. No, but that, that um, and that that's driving her change in behaviour to them. Right. It's a, um, perfectly sound maneuvering yeah, yeah, yeah. strategy. Yeah, it's a, it's a well-known fact at mm. this point. And certainly if anyone was going to be in the know about the political scene in the kingdom, you would expect the art director mm. to, to mm. be so. Because mm. her whole... Well, her whole business would depend on appealing to the nobility like you, mm. but she appears to be independently wealthy and just mm. kind of gets money from somewhere. You still have no real idea of who she is or where she's come from. Yeah. Uh, so yes, she was flirting with Elvis. She's now flirting with Tristan. Yeah. You can follow this as long as you want to, or you can just evac from the party with your pregnant wife. No, I evac from the party with my pregnant wife, and yeah. then... Um... Bryn says, now I do feel sick. <laughs> I think it was the content. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I um, want to check Crystal's okay. You want me to walk you home first or to the, out to the woods? Woods, I think. Mm-hmm. After that, I need something I understand. <laughs> so, yes, I will escort Bryn to the woods yep. and then go check Crystal's okay. Uh, you go to... Um, she is not in the castle. She doesn't live there. She yep. is in her house, still yep. in Elk's Rest. So you go there. It's now mid-late at night. You know, yeah. 11... Well, you've bugged out a little early, so maybe 11 or so. Yeah, so what I'll do is knock quite lightly on the door and not waking her if she's asleep kind of way. Yeah, there's, there's a light knock. Um, a pause. You're just thinking, okay, she's probably asleep. I'll pick this up tomorrow. And you hear, yeah. Uh, it's Caleb. Bumble door um door opens doesn't actually unlock she doesn't bother to lock it behind her um you she opens the door a little bit uh and you get a spot check at this point uh that is a mega nine okay she is back in her leather armor and appears yeah. to have one of her hand axes on her again the dress has yeah. evaporated to who knows yeah. where um she opens the door you know a wide crack yeah and looks at you <sighs> Something, something up. Nate, just um, wanted to check you were all right. Oh yeah, um, I, I didn't. Not, not, not that you missed much in the play, but um. No, I, I watched the the first um, the, the bit where they all wore masks on their feet instead of their faces. Yeah, I, it's not. I, I don't belong there like like that. It's. It's not. She's trails off again. Look, it was an awful play. It, it only went downhill from there, I, pro- I can promise you. But, look, don't let the bastards frighten you off. You have as much right to be, a, 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 you're as much right to be as any event in the kingdom as any of them. And you get another sense motive check. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and that is a 21. She looks unhappy and sort of shrugs awkwardly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, screw him anyway. Um, you look at her, yeah, that's... Like, she doesn't, obviously doesn't particularly fit in at the high society noble party, but she was really trying to. 
in, in a really out-of-character move for her. Uh, that's not what this... She, she hasn't left because she's felt rejected by nobility at large. Is, um... Is this... That, that's the excuse that she's using. Is yeah. I didn't understand the plan. It didn't fit in. So fuck it. I came home. I wanted to come home. Though. Yeah. It's um. It's not um. Aldous and Jerabeth, is it? Her eyes flicker several times. <laughs> a, a subconscious yes to Catelyn's eyes, and she she says no. I mean, what were they doing? Something? I mean, I, I didn't notice. I mean, why would I care? Um, she was hitting on him a little bit, but she'd moved on to Tristram by the time I left the party. Yeah, no. Um, Chris, Crystal and Eldis are both human, and she is 20 years his junior. Yeah. Easily. So that is a pretty profound... But do I think that she might be interested in him anyway? Yeah, possibly. I mean, the, th- the thing is, you know, in noble marriages, you have all sorts of weird shit. I mean, yeah. the, the extreme end is in, in Corvosa, um, Eadred... The 65-year-old Eadred marrying his 19-year-old bride. It's pretty. But a 50-year-old guy marrying a 30-year-old is um, reasonably common. common. And 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 it usually goes the patriarchal route. But not actually always. And it's not actually, like, I was thinking it was a much broader gap, but that's actually not that. It, what, what you'll find is it usually goes the patriarchal route when having an heir is an issue because you can't get around the... Yeah, yeah, fertility. The the fertility issues. On the other hand, when that's no longer an issue, it tends to just go the other way just as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you introduce elves and half elves and all this sort of shit, into it's, it, it's you get the weird cougarish traps all over the show. Yeah. It's um. Look, it's none of my business, but it's. I wouldn't get this if you are. If you do have feelings for him, I wouldn't get discouraged just because some random noble hits on him. I mean, he, he gets that kind of thing all the time. It's not going to be something that means anything to him. Uh, I mean... She she flushes slightly. He's your dad. And, um, I know, it, it's weird. And, and as she flushes and, and tries to cover herself up again slightly, she abandons... She, Hasn't by any stretch of imagination been pushing you out the door, but she's made the kept a hand to the door to stop you coming in. She sort of relaxes, you know, the door swings open slightly more, and you will see on the back of one of her plain wooden chairs, there's a heavily slashed to pieces fancy dress hanging over it. It yeah. looks like somebody's gone at it with a hand axe. <laughs> yeah. Is the chair is the chair under the dress also heavily mounted? No, no, she's quite practical. Uh, she yeah. hung it up, ripped the shit out of it with her pair of hand axes. And, and never once hit the chair yeah. by accident. Yep. I mean, shrugs a few more times and looks extremely awkward. It's you, you are well aware that she's not the most socially adept of your counselors. She, yeah. In fact, you would peg her at this point as being a charisma dropped character. Yeah. Look, it's it's none of my business. I'm not going to try and interfere. But if there is someone you're interested in, whoever it might be. You've got a lot going on. Don't get intimidated if they're from a noble background or anything like that. I mean, you know, Jeremy's not even, you know, noble. I guess you could. 
elf shit is weird, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, just because, just because a political type girl flirts, just because a political lady flirts with, flirts with someone, she's probably just maneuvering for advantage, doesn't necessarily mean anything. I guess. And, you know, someone like, people like Elvis, you know, noble types, they, they need to humor that kind of person. It's like he said, they're politically valuable. Doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess that, I guess that's kind of true. Anyway, none of my business, but take care of yourself, lass. She sort of nods slightly as she's thinking, yeah, yeah, shuts the door all the way, and you know, you turn and walk two or three paces off, and you hear the crack of the door open slightly behind you again. She says, oh, uh, Kaylin, um, thanks. Stuff. Click, <laughs> like, shuts the door again. <laughs> yeah. And Kaylin will just walk off. <laughs> yeah, and, and you walk off thinking, yeah, that must be all kinds of awkward, like, you know, he's nobility and she hates nobility. Yeah. He's 20 years her senior minimum. You actually yeah. have no idea how old Chris is and never really dared ask her, yeah. but your guess is she's mid-20s to mid-30s somewhere. Yeah. Which puts him somewhere between 20 to 30 years her senior. Yeah. And they, they just... Completely different world. Yeah. Yeah, I... From certain points of view. I, I just don't want her to give up before she's even started. Yep. I'm not necessarily expecting it to prosper. I merely don't want um, it to all go to to give up entirely. And is that about close scene from your... And that closes scene from my point of view. Talon goes home. Caitlin will actually wander out into the woods and um, spend the night out in the woods with Bryn. Okay. (laughs) So So we can have some peace and quiet. Eltis is is essentially living in one of the noble villas down here. Yep. Um... Because remember, they expand with the city, so you yeah. started with one for Lady Valara, and now yeah. there's more of them making up that district. Yeah. Um, two days later, yeah. um, he leaves it and goes down to live in the Keep of Flowers, Jerobeth's artistic compound. Oh. That's weird. Uh, he will definitely, t- you know, he doesn't just disappear overnight, yeah. and, and he's, you know, like two, maybe two days away from the kingdom at this yeah. point, so he's hardly disappearing. But he will actually, um, you know, basically tell you that he's going to do this, and you can have that scene if you so desire. Um, I want to make a sense motive check at that point. Yeah, sure. Uh, that is a 14. Um, so he will come to you and, and he'll say, oh, you know, just, just to let you know I'm going to be going, um... I'm going to be leaving some of my retainers at the Noble House and heading down, heading down to the Keep of Flowers to stay for a while. Uh, which is, of course, the, what the, the old keep. Jerobeth claimed it was called the Keep of Flowers long yes. ago and has renamed it that. Um, where the Quicklane was and all that sort of thing. And it's now, as far as Caelan's aware, I don't think he's ever actually bothered to visit it, is an, uh, as an artistic commune kind of thing. Yeah, no, Caelan will totally have visited it, but, you know, once. Yeah, they've made it up very nicely, architecturally yeah. speaking, put flowers everywhere, but it's very kind of hippy-dippy, you know. Yeah. Come in and feel our creative energies, your majesties. Yeah. And Eldest comes to you and he says, uh, I'm going to go down and stay in the keep for a bit. Uh, I was talking to Jerobeth about it. Uh, and she was was talking about how it might be good for my auras and energies and, and artistic temperament and that sort of thing. I, 
I understood about half of it, but I had it up to here with all the politics at Ravoy and getting bugged by letters every ten minutes to come and join Kalath, Satova, or the Independent Lords, or all three of them, or, and all th- then all three of them at once. Just getting away from it would be nice, and you know, she she interesting lady seemed to value me for more of who I was than, than what I could do for her. And goes on a little in this line, and he describes Jirabeth as, you know, being very flatteringly interested in him and all this sort of thing. Uh, he, by, he is far too savvy to say anything of the sort to your face, but the impression you take off him is he's sort of smitten. He's definitely not going... He certainly doesn't tell you he's going down there to boffer and marry you. Yeah, so. naturally not. He's actually going down as an independent person rather than Lord Eldersborn to join her commune of artists to piss around there for yeah. a bit. And, and some... He says, and, and one of the reasons we're coming to tell you is get word to me when, when the twins come. Of course. I'd be glad to have you back up here for it. Um, it's some... It, well, certainly seems like he'll be pretty quiet down there, but, um, you know... The people here will be sorry to see you go. I understand, um... Crystal was hoping to see more of you. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm... And, um, endeavor it to, um... What I'm endeavoring... So I'll, I'll just come up. Endeavor to Tampa, yep, yep. Um, so what I'm endeavoring to do is endeavor to subtly let him know that she's she might be interested in him without providing any more than that he's probably missed that as context. Do you have road from, um... Else risk to the keep of flowers. Uh-huh. Oh, forget. I it, it doesn't matter if you haven't got it. I'm just vaguely trying to work out how far away it is from you. Um, I can definitely answer that question. Give me one sec. So, um. We have a road down... Uh, um, oh, yeah, no, I haven't built most of that yet. No, um, at the time that yep. this is taking place, there is not yet a road anywhere. But you you yep. can take a road sort of downwards, vaguely, yep. out okay. So with... he sort of shrugs. He's, uh, it's not like I'm going far. It's only two days away, by far. More if you get some roading in there. Some, more, more if you get... Less if you get some roading in there. Certainly we're going to um, road down to, to Merkvale now that it's part of the kingdom proper. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because um, the, the map I'm looking at has two hexes of road I've built towards Merkvale. Yep, it's yep. just that I haven't built them at this juncture. Yep, yep, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll hardly be too far away from the. I'll, I'll hardly be too far away from the from the woman. Shrugs his head, shakes his head slightly. Girl. I. No problem. I hope you have. I hope you um get some peace and quiet. I can see it'd be good. I know it's been um pretty. Pretty awful up north. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I know um, you and I were, were going to spend some more time together, and you have over the last couple of months. Like, it's not big father-son bonding, no. Time, but you know, every couple of weeks, you've at least had a half an hour conversation with him. Yeah, I think the um, the relationship's proceeding at the speed we're both comfortable yeah. with. But but we'll we'll work something out. I mean, the, um, that's it's um it's no big thing. I mean, you're um we still saw something of each other when you were all the way up in Bravoy. I I'm sure we can manage it when you're um 
just down south a bit. I mean, um, Bloom and Corwin lives out at Lakeview, and he still manages to come by pretty regularly. So I'm 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 there if you need me, and definitely let me know about the twins. But I I'd appreciate it. I've left instructions with my people to uh, not advertise. No problem. But because he doesn't want to be harassed by Brevoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, if they um. Seeing me another one of their politely worded communiques is expressing their desire that I uh, Based thoughtfully on our invade. Past loyalties. Yeah, invade that I thoughtfully invade their um, neighbours for them. I might join you. <laughs> okay, and that is for us. Right. Oh well, poor Crystal. The theatre scene. Elvis moves in with Jerobeth. <laughs> I did not see that coming. No. All right. Uh, and if you want to follow what's going on there, you, you can endeavor to do so. Uh, like, you don't have spies in the Keep of Flowers, per se, but it's an open location. Yeah, yeah. No, the... Um, yeah, it's, no. It's, it's really a question of whether Kaylin wants to know or not. No, the, um, like... I, I wanted to put a word in for Crystal, but a, a little, little, wee, yep. tiny, tiny word. I, I have done that. That being the case, um, Kaelin's desire is to know as little as possible about Elvis' sex life. <laughs> there is sand, he will stick his head under it. No doubt it has political consequences, but screw it. And Tristan will also tell you the next time you talk to him what a charming and wonderful woman she was. Yeah. Um, he, he certainly isn't chasing her down to the keep of flowers or anything, but she also told him how wonderful his artistic temperament was and how she could feel, you know, the power of his oratory through the creative energies around him and things. Yeah. Um, so what I was one of the things I was looking for with that sense motive is yep. I don't think Elvis has been magically enchanted or anything. No, he... he you, what you take away is that he seemed, um, the, the expression I want to use is he seems charmed by her, but in a non-magical cool. That's fine. He, he isn't behaving like, I must do what Jerobeth tells me, yeah. abandon life, here is all my money type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's more just, wow, you know, she was so young and so pretty and so intelligent and blah, blah, blah. It's that new crush smitten yeah. rather than, um. Well, particularly because he's deliberately not Picked woman for their show. It is not picked woman who were into him. Yeah. You know, so now he has the opportunity to do so. He's presumably a bit blown away by it all. Uh, and that is for us. Okay. Gosrum. Yes. Uh, short pause while I get my notes back together. Check, um, gained a scroll of discern lies and got rid of it. Um, claimed um, C8 in the Greenbelt, which is a um, forest hex that um, used to have the hermit's hut in it mm-hmm. and built a sawmill in it. Yep. Um, 
built a hunting preserve in F7 in the Greenbelt, which is one of the um, fey hexes that yep. I hitherto haven't built things in, but yep. now that I have the option to put hunting preserves in them, it's all good. The centre, the, um, for people listening, the um, hunting preserves are the centaur's equivalent of farms, that they are able to build in forests around the fey with their superior centauri knowledge. Which is awesome. Um, I have... Um, Build a ro- built a road in D7, which is what I was talking about, with a bridge, because it's a river hex, mm-hmm. which um, moves me heading in the general direction of Merkvale. Yep. Um, slowly. Um, and I built a house and a luxury store in Elk's Rest, filling up a couple of the um, vacant hexes in the, in the traditional city map, which has now got one hex empty. Mm-hmm. And I built a graveyard in Lakeview. And um, that was it for the um, for Gosrin in terms of stuff that I did. Yep. Okay. And are you going exploring? And I am. I am going exploring. So, um, Carolyn will take Corwin out and have a pokey at. Some of the nasty, evil, blighted stuff. Yep. Um, so that would be E8 and E10. Yep. Same conditions and problems you had previously. Yeah. Uh, E8 is, um, uh, that is mountain terrain. Oh, okay, I've got grass. Oh, sorry, uh, E8. Yes, you're quite right. Blighted grassland. Yep. I was looking at that with the watches. No, no, no. Yeah, I've already had a poke around there, so it's just formally exploring it. And then E10 is blighted mountains? Uh, E10 is blighted mountains. Okay. Um, and then lastly, we will keep going out of blighted territory. Yep. Because it's Caelan and Corwin, we largely do this by yeah, not you, sleeping. You hoof it for a couple of days, and once you're out, you sleep but for a day. Yeah. And then, because um, we're, you know, three hexes is pretty, you know, we can do that, and we can do that in a week. Uh, there's no, or a week and a half, it's not very significant. And um, then F10. Okay. In F10, you find something. It is mountainous terrain. Yep. And deep in the trackless reaches of the mountain, you find a huge cave entrance, like 50-foot-wide tunnel. Ooh. Uh, which you go poking in with all your usual caution. Yeah, naturally. Clank, 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 clank. Um, it is a big-ass cavern in here. It goes uh, maybe half a kilometer back into the mountain. Um, and then opens up into a large, artificially made vaulted chamber. Looks like somebody has carved it out of the stone or something. Um, and in here, there are a huge set of bones of a dragon, you would guess. Ooh, dragon bones. Uh, you, I believe, had a rumour that there was a dragon somewhere in, um... Yes. Somewhere in here, but it hadn't been seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, there's supposed to be a silver dragon living in the Tour of Levines, but no one's seen her for a while. Maybe she moved on. Right, yep. Uh, and there are dragon bones in here. Um, the You're pretty sure they're dragon bones anyway. The right wing is almost missing entirely, as are some of the right bits of the bones down the right side of it. Right, okay. 
Uh, and if you has heal or alchemies or anything of that sort, you can roll away if your heart's content. I do not. <laughs> hey, Corn's feeling smart for a change. Uh-huh. He's having a good night tonight. Yes. Aye, well that's a thing. That's a bloody big beastie to behold, isn't it? A dragon of some kind, let's say. Although, uh, I mean, Lord Fancy Pants might be able to identify the bones. I guess, I, I guess we can only guess as to what sort of colour it was. Aye, although the sil- silver would make sense given what we heard about there being a silver dragon down in these parts. Aye. Bloody, bloody shame. The bones themselves are not silver, and you have, without knowledge, I can't even yeah. have a real method of recognising the more subtle differences. You can come down here with Tristram and try and um, pick out what kind she was. Well, I'll tell you one thing, lad. I wouldn't like to meet the thing that killed it. Like, this is a big dragon. Uh, your guess would be that it's well beyond adult and getting into the more, um, uh, I believe it's gargantuan, is the next size up from huge. So this, no, this was huge. a gargantuan dragon's lair. Yikes. Um, and something, Corwin looks at his eye. Well, Summit killed this thing, and it looks like it, it looks like it burnt it clean away down the side. Look at the way char in here. It's flames hot enough to melt the bones clean off. And to do that to a dragon. Yeah. But it's been dead a good while, right? Maybe whatever it is has moved on. Some, like something really big and really dangerous probably did this. Yeah. Yikes. Um, when you go poking around in here, uh, can you both give me a search check? Uh, I get a six. Okay. Um, you and Corwin go looking around um, if there is any sort of dragon treasure here you don't find it yeah um, however I am explicitly going to return with Tristram because I know that dragons have treasure okay fair enough yeah uh, Tristan when he so the two of you search around you don't yeah. find anything particularly unusual yeah but I, um, I point out to Corwin that I'd like to bring Tristram down here both to confirm, to inve- further investigate the dragon, and because we want to be really sure there is no horn down here. Um, Tristan looks at this and, and I, I, I'm, I'm with your assessment. I guess it was most likely Silver Dragon, but Telling from bones, it's very difficult. There, there was supposed to be a book written by, blah, 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 you know, but it's long lost now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never had a chance to read it, so I, I can't quite confirm that. Um, but I, I really doubt anyone capable of doing this would have left a dragon's treasure here. But nonetheless, we'll look for secret passages and the like. Goes poking around, he says, "Well, I, I'm afraid the treasure is all long gone." But well, now that's that's interesting. Look at the disturbances in here amongst the stone. It, it must have been hit outside, come staggering back into its lair, and he takes you down the passageway, pointing with his lantern, not that you need it to see it. Um, and what he shows you are there are some long scratch marks on the stone. He says, my theory is whatever attacked it, attacked it outside... In the, in the air or on the ground, in the air would be my guess, given one of its wings has melted away. It crashed back in here, dying. Look, landed here, scrape. 
flaps a little further forward, scrape, flaps a little further forward, scrape. Uh, must have protected whatever, and, and then it's wrapped its body, I guess it was dying at this point, it's wrapped its body around something to protect it. And he points to there are little tiny scratch marks in the stones. I think there might have been a younger dragon in here. Uh, much younger, he makes a gesture of, you know, maybe a metre and a half long. Certainly not a baby, but a little one. Um, I, I don't see any sign that it that it's been killed. There's no additional bones or burn marks or scales or anything. I think it flew back in here to protect its, protect its offspring. I think it succeeded, too. Well, that's something, I suppose. And then there's this. And he says... Uh, can you give me a hand here? I can't quite make it out. Uh, I, I need that big right claw, that big left claw lifted. You go over and <laughs> like fucking heavy, even yeah. though it's just bone. You lift it up, and there are scratchings in the ground. And it looks like the dragon has done this with its littlest claw relatively fine. And you can't read a damn thing of it because it's in Draconic. I'm, I'm just no, I read Draconic. I read Draconic now. Yeah, so lift it up, and Tristan says, "Well, it carved in a message as it was dying, and you read it." And it reads, Beware the Jabberwock, my son. Ooh. And fades out just on the sun. <laughs> Didn't we already have a rumor about something like that? A Jabberwocky? Um, I... It, it feels... Let me find my rumor page. It feels sort of familiar. Uh... Silver dragon in the mountains. No, it didn't have a rumor like that. Jabberwocky. Heels and silver stick, good eating, and some kind of lock, a small stick, yep. And Tristan goes white as he reads this. Oh. Uh, certainly that would kill a silver dragon. I have a feeling I'm not gonna like the answer, but what's a Jabberwock? Uh, well, for starters, they're not real, or at least there's never been any evidence uncovered of them, and it's not a Jabberwocky, it's the Jabberwocky. There's only one. Alright. I, and, and what do we know about that one? Uh, it's... Some sort of demon? No, 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 not the demon. Indeed. It's a creature of the first world, of course. Um, well, that doesn't make it better. Like, a Jabberwocky is to a dragon as the Fae... Are to the Outer Dark? Uh, no, no, as the Fae are to humans. They are, um... As the Fae are to elves, sorry. They, they are close enough to be vaguely of the same family... Technically speaking, a Jabberwocky, I believe, is a type of dragon. But you, you understand, you've run into this sort of effect before, how the first world energies bleed off, overgrow things. The Albia, a perfect mm. example. It was camped near to... It made its, it made its nest next to a portal when fourth, near the first world. The energy was bleeding out into it. Um, it mutated it, made it bigger, stronger substantively more dangerous than a regular owlbear. Well, we... It, 
I remember it chasing me. I still feel the breath on my neck some nights. Uh, the Jabberwocky is to a dragon what that owlbear is to a regu- what that owlbear was to a regular owlbear. I- I've only heard of it in old mythic tales. Uh, beware the Jabberwock, my son, and he recites the poem. <laughs> yeah. The Vorpal Blade will snick a snack. Uh, they're supposed to be very dangerous. The, the only chance you have is to cut their heads off before they I- immolate you with their I- either madness or fire breath. The legends are not particularly clear. I mean, like I say, there's only the one. And I'm sure we'd have noticed it if it had been around here for an extended period of time, because we're talking something large enough that it wouldn't fit into this cave, you know, with its 50-foot wide mouth. Oh, I am, I'm sure I... I'm sure I can spot a fire-breathing dragon-like beastie the size of a bit, or the size of a very large building. And if it had been anywhere around Stagthorn, we'd have people going mad and strangling themselves. So there's there's that. Aye, wonderful. Well, I suppose we'll certainly spot it if it turns up. What we'll do next will be an excellent question, but uh, it does sound Die, like... I would imagine. Yeah, it, it does sound like the sort of thing that we'll, we'll struggle to miss. So, do you think it's likely to come back here? Uh, it couldn't fit into this particular cavern. What I'm looking for here is the, um, the Albia turned out to be trouble because it was sleeping in that particular cave. Yeah. Is this the place the Jabberwocky comes through? Trist, Tristan shakes his head. It, it's a creature of the first world. If it's anywhere, I'd imagine it's spending the vast majority of its time here. The, you would have noticed if it was here. The centaurs, Varnhold Van or both, would have reported in, and you'd be seeing a vast depopulation of the hunting of, of the hunting animals, that sort of thing. Right. I yes, that makes sense. The, the Jabberwocky is not the kind of thing you miss. I all right. So this... uh, functionally, it's as big as an army. Yeah. You and, and in fact, Tristan's recommendation on how you would fight it is as an army combat. Right. It, this um, Vorpal Blade thing, any particular sword? Oh, a, a Vorpal Blade is a unique magical enchantment that enables you to decapitate with it. Uh, slices heads clean off with skilled enough blow behind it. Ah. Uh, Don't know if the players aware. Yeah, I've, I've heard of. I've heard of Vorpal Blade. Thing. Yeah, Vorpal is literally an enchantment you can buy for your no. weapon that gives you, on a natural 20, you cut its head off. Right. I think it's like, on a natural 20, it gets port save versus immediate death or something in that neighborhood. Oh, well, um, do a bit more research on the... Obviously, you've got a lot of information at your fingertips, but just do a bit more research on anything we'd want to equip the army with if the beastie does shows up. It sounds like a good way to lose a lot of soldiers. Neither Corwin nor Tristan, um have any real idea of when the dragon died except not recently recently. So, and no notion of where the little silver one went off to after its mother got whacked? Hey, sure, shrugs. I, I couldn't begin to track it, and in any case it will flow in. Ah, of course. Oh, well, hopefully the poor thing had family in the, the, the region elsewhere or some such. If it the Jabberwocky may have just turned up to kill the big one and take the treasure. It should be quite it, it should be quite capable of surviving on its own. Dragons are very intelligent, even from a very young age. And um, it'll be quite. It's got to be years at, at a minimum. It'll yeah. it'll be it'll be a bigger bigger older dragon by now, more capable of taking care of itself. Still, sky song. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> uh, bit bit sad, really. The um the 
poor beastie would have been um, a real asset to have in the kingdom. And, yeah, um, could, we could have made it one of our councillors. <laughs> might have been a trifle impractical given the size, but it certainly have been very glad to, certainly a beastie I'd be very glad to meet. And um, we certainly don't want this bloody jabberwocky thing roaming around. Uh, no, I, I would think it very unlikely though. As I say, it's it's a myth and it should by and large be confined to, confined to the first world. One of the perils of feeding too closely on the energy is that you have to remain near it. The Albear, as a creature native, native to our realm, could stray a lot further, but it would have been inexorably compelled to return to its cave sooner or later. Creatures of the first creatures heavily influenced by first world energies, particularly in those who are native to the first world, Imagine stretching a band of elastic. You can only pull it so far before it snaps back. The Jabberwocky can only spend so much time in our reality before being yanked away. Well, that's comforting. I mean, I, I don't imagine it would be a lot of consolation to the first um, 60 or so souls um, set on fire or strangled it's a themselves. City, it's a city wrecker. Yeah, but um, at least um, whatever damage it did to the kingdom would be of temporary duration. Which is just as well, seeing our chances of killing it don't strike me as excessively high. We might, um, it might be more of a run away and live to fight another day sort of thing. I mean, our people, our cities may not be mobile, but our people certainly are. Oh well, good to, good to have the warning. Always helpful to have, uh, and Kelly will clap him on the back. Always helpful to have some information about these um, <laughs> the weird... Uh, came to, the came to back for these weird arcane beasties, particularly one as nasty as all that. Alright, and that's the exploration phase. Yep. Does anything happen in Gull's Run? Yes, it does. Uh, you come back from your... Tours. Yeah. Share with the council what you've learned. Yeah, and, um, um, Caleb will generally suggest posting them in an advisory on, you know, run away if you see a 60 foot dragon, yeah. although really people ought to be able to work, the, if you see a 500 foot dragon you should run away, although really you should all have been able to work that out for yourself. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is, um, <laughs> just one of those things that I mean, the reality is, you know, it sounds more lethal than equivalent, significantly more lethal than a red dragon of equivalent size, but actually, to pretty much anyone, a red dragon of equivalent size would kill you anyway. I mean, the, it would be much harder to kill the Jabberwocky, but from the perspective of the guy that dies, it probably doesn't matter significantly how ridiculously over-CR the thing is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, crazy dangerous. Yeah, hmm? Yeah. Yes, I am looking ahead at pages of work. Why do you ask? Oh, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. that wasn't the stats. Like, it wasn't foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, it, I mean, it's possible you could have just done that to creep me out and you were, and you were never going so to release... Uh, yes, the, but, but if that was the case, I'd be looking ahead to a random page and making mm noises. Yeah, I know. But, which um, I might well have just been doing. Yeah, but my money is pretty heavily on that was foreshadowing. Yeah, the Jabberwock, my son. <laughs> Uh, and when you come back, you report your findings back into the council. People, you know, take this vaguely seriously, but in the D&D verse, you can't take too seriously, you know. Yeah, if, um, if a giant monster may come and kill your kingdom. It's like, well, yeah. But know. we kind of do that anyway. Um, and Agash wants to see you um, 
as soon as you're available again after meeting with the council. Oh, uh, and, and, and Gash is on my number one priority yeah, yeah. list. And she comes to see you, and, and, she, and she says, "I, I hope you've no more. I hope you no more plans for for heading out for heading out exploring and curing, curing your itchy feet this month. I think the wee barns will be coming along soon. Can't say when, but she'll be sometime in the next couple of weeks." Right. And Caleb um, endeavours to apply to sterotic expression of masculine determination over as the expression of complete panic. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt you're all, no doubt you're all set up for this and ready to cope. But uh, I'll be, I'll be taking, I'll be taking a wee room, a wee room down the hall in the castle if that's all right with you to keep an eye on the situation. Uh, I, I, I don't I imagine mean... your lass will have any trouble though. I expect those wee barns to pop out like little rolling rocks, bounce a couple of times on the floor and flip up on their feet. <laughs> Uh, I'd be very grateful nonetheless as if you'd um, take a room in the council. We, um, I'd definitely feel better having you close by. And yes, at which point Kaelin will stick to brainside like glue until I suspect she tells him that he's getting on her nerves and she'll back her off for a while. And on the and um, we'll send a message to Elvis on the, you know, prepare. You don't have to come up yet, but yeah. you should be ready to come up soon. Uh, and on the seventeenth of Gosrum. Ooh. Um, at you know that that evening. Bryn has sort of got, gotten a lot slower and needs to sit down a lot more. And Gash has come in and checked on her and said, "You know, I, I, any, any, any time, any time, any time soon. Now, I'll keep your activities to a minimum. No standing on your head. You know, no strenuous sex if you can help. If you can keep your hands off him, she just leads off with a sort of thing in yeah. mixed company without blinking. Yeah. Um, call and sense of decorum. Yeah. Right there. Um, and she says." Could be tonight. More likely to be more likely to be early morning. More more likely to be early or late morning tomorrow morning. But we'll see how we get on. And sure enough, at about four o'clock in the morning, yeah, um, gets a very sharp elbow in the ribs yep. and wakes, wakes up, up immediately. Uh, and Brent says, <sighs> "Pain, <sighs> time coming. Get the dwarf. And Not Corbin." <laughs> And Kaelin, uh, right love, and bolts out <laughs> yeah. of the room like his ass is on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like four minutes later, Agash is back in the room, so the chicks are over. I, I, you've started into the process. Good, good, the wee ones will be coming along. The wee ones will be coming along anytime soon. So, you know, she claps her hands, looks delighted, and merrily starts directing a couple of the guards who are hanging around to yeah. go get her, you know, boiling water, you know, this, that, and the other thing. She's yeah. coming with her bag. And, she says, "All right, you bloody," and sort of smacks you on the thigh yeah. as she's leaning down by the bridge. She says, "All right, you bloody great lump, you've done your bit. You can go pace or drink or whatever it is you boys do. I'll let you know when it's all done." And um, I will look to Bryn to see if she wants me. And um, uh, Bryn doesn't seem to be that aware that you're in the room. Period. Sweet. And at which point, Kaylin is making a string of <laughs> grunting noises. At which point, Kaylin will bolt. <laughs> And indeed, go find Corwin and Tristram and yeah, Drake. Yeah. Oddly enough, large amounts of the palace seem to be waking up for this. Rumor yeah. appears to have exceeded your your speed of foot. Yeah. And yes, um, we'll take um, Corwin and Tristram down to the um, 
down to the local pub and um, we'll not actually get drunk, but we'll have a, 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 a couple of ales to take the edge <laughs> you're, off. You're going to leave the castle and go down to the pub? Yeah. That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Leon will come and find you. Yeah. Um, it's been about four in the morning. Um, Le- Leon will come and find you when it's about 9.30 odd. Yeah. Um, y- the pub should be shut at this time, but when yeah. you get there, Shump is like opening it up. Yeah. He says, hi, your majesty, just uh, opening up for the early morning. Uh, come in and have a drink. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> You're unsurprisingly the only customer in there. Yeah. Shump actually goes over and locks the door again behind you. Yeah. And about 9.30 there's a hurried knock, 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 knock on it. And when Shump goes and opens it up, Leon is there. Uh, uh, Your Majesty, they're, they're requesting you back in the castle. He's got, a big, right. he's got a big smile on his face. Yeah, and um, Caelan will uh, big feet back yeah, and yeah. back. And Corwin and Tristan will, you know, come back with you and they just sort of hang around, yeah. you know, vaguely down the corridor a bit. Yeah. Um, you go in. Bryn is sitting there, is lying there on the bed. Um, sheets distended everywhere and covered in various towels and things. She looks like she's run a marathon. She's looking... And I've seen her after she's run a marathon. She's looking tired and out of it, but still reasonably alert. You wouldn't necessarily put it past you to be able to spring back out of bed should it become necessary. Yeah. Um, and Agash sort of greets you as you're coming in at the door. And she says, and she says, hi... You, be, you can come in, your proud papa. There's two of them. All good. All fingers, all toes. She's fine. Come on in. Kill will say, wobbling slightly, will stagger in and um, give Bryn a very large hug. Yeah. Very large and very gentle hug. And a gash is over in the corner by the... They've got the big blazing fire going. It is spring and a little um, a, a little warm in here, but they've yeah. actually warmed it up deliberately for the babies. And she says, All right, well, here we are then. One for you, and one for you. Hands Bryn one bundle of towels and hands you the other one. Yeah. When you look down your little bundle of towels, there is a wee little bald-headed, screwed-up face looking back at you. He looks up at you, and then goes to sleep on your elbow. (laughs) Bryn's one looks at her and goes, goes to sleep. Better. <laughs> so, I, well, have a week, have a week, I love them. I've had my exam. They're all healthy. You got two. Oh, that's what I need to check. Uh, pick high or low. Before I do a pressure, high. Says, well, you got two wee, you got two wee healthy barns there. Both boys, both human by the looks of them. Strongest genes coming through. And Caelan will uh, pat his little bundle. I wouldn't say they're going to be. I wouldn't say they're going to be looking the same at this stage. But you never, you never can quite tell. But I'd say non. I'd say you got a pair of healthy, non-identical twin boys there. Oh. Oh. Well done, love. Caelan will bend down very carefully. Yes. Aye, she's a trooper. <laughs> I've seen plenty of ladies come and go, but I ain't seen anything quite like that. <laughs> That's alright, I caught them when they came bouncing up. <laughs> and thank you. Brent sort of looks, they didn't really bounce, did they? Well, you even aware what I was doing down there? 
eventually it stopped hurting. Aye, that's usually that's usually <laughs> the best sign. Don't worry, you'll forget about it all in a couple of days. You just cut, look down and cuddle that wee little barn of yours, and he'll make it all better for you. That's what they're there to do. Stroke my barn. <laughs> It turns out he has fingers and toes, mm-hmm. and they're it, both small. Each of them incredibly tiny. <laughs> and he looks up at you and whoop, puts a fat little hand around your finger loosely, then pulls it into his mouth and <laughs> gums down on it. <laughs> Eyes crisscrossing. And yes. Babies. Rin gives birth. You have two human boys, not identical twins. Oh my goodness. And yes, I did base this off the um off the fine quality book of erotic fantasies percentage tables of chances of blah. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't roll the genders? Uh, yes I did. Uh, so I was just wondering what I was rolling for that high and low. Was that Oh uh, identical or non identical, that's the thing I forgot to do. You're right. Because yeah. they're twins. Yes, yes, makes sense. So you you got non identical. Yeah. So um Kalen will encounter himself in bed with Bryn and settle the two bubbins down between them. Yeah. And Agash will potter off and go have a sleep. Yeah. Um, will come back after about three, four hours to check on them again, where she says, you know, they're all still fine and healthy. Yeah. You know, they're going to start mewling for milk. This is what you need to start doing. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, being as Bryn's the queen, she's pretty much arranged for a wet nurse to be available. Yeah. And if wanted and when needed, effectively. Yeah. Um... And, um, yes, she tells you, you know, both of them will have orcish blood and elvish blood in them, but the, by the largest part, by her take, they seem to both be human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, um, Kel will, um, at some later stage, tell Bryn that he'd, um, while he's very happy, he would have been happy with whatever. Yeah. And that she's done great. Told you. Was strong enough to be queen. Strong enough for anything. Should have let me kick Portakai's ass. <laughs> I promise you can have the next, you can have the next, like, lunch, love. Yeah. Good trade. You can have the next babies. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. I'll get Tristan on researching a spell for that. <laughs> and yes. It's two babies. Two babies, two human boys. Mm. And their birthday is the 17th of Gilson. Yes. So one will need to think about names, I suppose. Yes, you will. So that's probably where we want to leave the session be. Then. Yeah, I think so. So we'll seem to be such to Elvis to um, come yep. on back and, up. And, and indeed... Um, and likely seen one, you know, that night. Yeah, yeah, you would yeah. have seen one at the start. You know, she's yeah. going into labour. Yeah. And basically, you know, after you guys have had, you know, half an hour's moderate peace, yeah. Tristan will come bustling and going, I'm an uncle! <laughs> <laughs> then hug the bubbins. About a day later, Elvis shows up, uh, looking, yeah. you know, perfectly fine and happy. And he comes in, you know, looks at the two of them, you know, hugs the two. Goes, Good on you, boy. Big slap on the back. Yeah. You know, and you, my girl. Big squeeze hug. Yeah. 
And everyone parades in yep. to cuddle the wee barns. Yeah. And proclamations go out throughout the kingdom. Yes. With two heirs to the throne of war. <laughs> so one, do we know which one was first? Yes. Cool. There's a couple of minutes margin between them. Yeah. So you have a clear first, if yeah. that is of consequence to you. Of which you think you can name them as you please. Yeah, yeah, no, that's alright. Work on what to do. Well, I hadn't actually given much thought to names because so, we did no gender or species. Yeah, well, they have no way of telling. Yeah, yeah. So now you face your greatest foe yet: newborn babies. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. dun. Rules versus sleep deprivation. Yeah. 